Well, Pastor John asked me to speak, and how many of you know the devil is a liar? Because let me just tell you, as soon as he asked me to speak, my past came back to me. And he said, you can't do that. You know what you did last year. You know what you did last month. And your past is always going to tell you you can't become what God has for you in your future. And that's what the devil was doing to me. And he was doing it right up until he called my name. You can't do it. You can't do it. The devil's a liar. And don't believe your past. Your past does not determine your future. And that's not even what I'm preaching about. I just, I just felt it right now. That, that, you can take that as a bonus. That's a, that's a tidbit. You can take it. Do whatever you want with it. But, I mean, God has plans for you. But if you look backwards, you're never going to know Yes. Dude, I, was, I had cotton mouth. I was, I'm not going to lie. Thank you, sir. So, today I would like to speak on grace. Um, grace and love, actually. Um, we have a... Yeah, there it is. Um, so, I'm going to speak on grace, and then my wife is going to come up here and fix anything that I didn't say correctly. Um, in love, of course. In love, of course. Um, so it's, it's actually a little bit smaller up here than I thought. Like, there's like less room to walk around up here than there is downstairs. I walk around a lot and I use my hands. So, uh, just bear with me. So anyways, I'd like to talk to you about grace. Uh, grace is the unmerited, undeserving favor and love of God. It is also the influence of the spirit of God operating in humans to regenerate and strengthen them. Now, we overlook God's grace all the time. How many of you have gotten up in the morning and said, thank God that I have the ability to heal? Because when God created us, he could have easily said, listen, you get one shot, one body, you get a single paper cut, you're dead. Now, you won't die right away, but eventually you're going to die. So you know how you, uh, sometimes you get the little hangnail? Right in the thing, and it's it's real aggravating. You're putting on your tights or your socks, and it gets caught, and you're like, "Oh man!" And you know, if you pull it, it's gonna bleed, right? But you're like, "I'm just gonna leave it there," right? I'm just gonna leave it there. But you can't, you can't. So yeah, you, you, eventually you just yank that thing out, and it's it bleeds profusely. Well, guess what? You die. Without God's grace, you die. When God created mankind. He gave us the ability to heal. That's God's grace. It's undeserving. We don't deserve it. And as I was searching out grace, I actually taught this lesson downstairs, but I did it in three parts. So I'm going to try very hard tonight to try to get three lessons into one in 25 minutes. So hopefully I can do that. Or maybe it'll be five minutes. I don't know. I mean, it might just, we might just fly right through, but... But anyways, um, so one paper cut, you would die. So you can go to that next slide so everyone can, can see. Um, God gives us the strength to regenerate and strengthen us. That's what, that's what his grace is. So that, if anyone's cringing right now, that's what that was for. That's why I got that slide. It was to make, give you that feeling like, ah, man, I don't want to cut my finger off. Man, but aren't you glad that we can heal? Aren't you glad? Because I'm glad. God's grace is undeserving. It's his favor. 
And it's the love of God to regenerate and strengthen us. I believe that most people don't really know about grace or know they even need grace until one of two things happen. Either they experience suffering, some type of loss in their life, some type of hurt, some type of pain, that they just cry out for God to take the pain away. Or they are so deep in their sin that they don't see any way out of it. That sin has overtaken them and they become slave to that sin. And therefore, they'll cry out for grace. They'll cry out and say, God, I can't do this. I can't live this life anymore. I don't know how to move forward uh, in, in the sin that I'm living in. And that right there is generally the two reasons why people will actually look to grace. We don't really think about grace on a daily basis. You know, it's just one of those things we overlook. See, if we have a distorted view of God, we're going to have a distorted view of grace. See, we don't see God the way he truly is. We may see him as impatient, angry, disappointed. In reality, he's patient, loving, and caring. But how we see God is really going to be a determination of how we see grace. Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord God. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that your word would go forth here today, Lord. That I would say what you would have me say, Father. As I speak on grace, Father, I need your grace, Lord, to speak what you would want me to say, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that hearts would be changed, lives would be changed. And your word would go forth, Father. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I pray today for you, for everyone here that it does not take us a lifetime to understand God's grace. That we, we, the sooner we can see God's grace, the better off we're going to be in our life. The more we, need, we know that we have a need for God and we have a need for his grace, the better off we'll be. We won't be constantly looking back at the things we did yesterday. You know, we are not who we are, who, what we did. We're not. We, the Bible says for us to speak those things that are not as though they were. And now, I've heard that. Does that mean we lie? Does it mean we lie and say, you know, you know I have, you know, Jordans on. You know, none of you would understand that, but some of you might. <laughs> but does that mean that I lie? No, it means that you speak God's word over yourself. Speak God's word over over your life. Even though the situation may look grim, we speak life over that situation. That's what that means. God's not telling us to, to lie. He's telling us to speak what he would speak over us. And that's what we need to do. We need to speak what God would have us speak. I used to think that being a Christian meant, meant that you had to act a certain way. But the Christian life is not an act. It's really not an act. A lot of times people say, oh, you act like you're all that. You're all this and that. But that's not what the Christian walk is. It's not, it's not an act. See, we have, to, we have to rest. We have to rest in Christ. We have to rest in who he is in us. Because without him, we can't do anything anyways. He literally is the one who gives us the strength. So we can work out and we can get strong and we think, oh, you know, I've been working out, I'm getting strong. Well, guess what? Like I said already, if God didn't give us the ability to heal, you work out, you rip a muscle, that's it, Psst, done. 
It doesn't heal. You don't get stronger. It's over. God gives us that ability. That's his grace. We ought to rest in him and let him live his life through us. But it's hard. It's not easy to rest in him because the devil's constantly bombarding our brains. Constantly telling us, you can't do it. You're a screw up. You messed up. And that will, that will freeze us. That will prevent us from ever becoming what God has for us. A lot of us, a lot, just sitting in this room right now, there's a lot of potential that never happened. And it's never going to happen because of fear. You know, I was, I was nervous to come up here. But I can give you a little secret what I do. Is I don't think about anything. Honestly, I don't think about it until I'm right about to do it. And that's why usually I'll blurt stuff out. And people will be like, why did you say that? And I'm like, I don't even know. Like, I, for real, I'm like, I, I have no idea. But it, it prevents me from walking in fear. It keeps me from being frozen. And it allows me to do what God wants me to do in my life. And, it, and if any of you are sitting out there and, you're, and you say, you know, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. You know, God can do anything through you. He'll use a donkey. He'll use a rock. He don't, it doesn't matter. He used me. So, and she's laughing. <laughs> she's the only one who laughed. <laughs> That's messed up, this Shannon. Like, for real. Like, he, if he'll use me, like, I never saw that, you know, in my heart, I felt like God could use me. But, you know, my past, my past, my past, my past. It kept always bombarding my brain. So, let's move forward. Micah chapter 6, verse 6 through 8 says, You say... What can I bring with me when I come before the Lord, when I bow before God on high? Should I come before him with burnt offerings, with year-old calves? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand male sheep? Will he be pleased with ten thousand rivers of oil? Should I give my firstborn child for the evil I have done? Should I give my very own child for my sin? The Lord has told you, human, what is good. He has told you what he wants from you, to do what is right to other people, love being kind to others, and live humbly, obeying your God. The message of grace is very simple. Stop trying and start trusting. That scripture right there, I kind of take it like a little sarcastic. Almost like he's saying, so you want me to do this, is that going to be good enough for you, God? You want me to do this? Is that, if, if, I, if I give you my blood, God, will you be happy? How about my firstborn child? Will you be happy then, God? Are you ever going to be happy? And God's saying, I don't want that from you. All I'm asking for you, human, that's you. What I'm asking is for you just to live good. Do what's right to other people. Love being kind to others. Live humbly and obey God. He's not asking us to do all those things. He's just asking us to be obedient. If we're just obedient, those things will happen. You see, we just need to be obedient in the little things. If God can't trust you with a little bit, there's no way he's trusting you with a lot. We need his grace. It's real easy. He's it's pretty much saying, listen, I don't want you to sacrifice. I don't want you to do all those things. I just want you to be obedient. Stop trying so hard and start trusting. Stop working so hard to do the things right and prosper spiritually. And just come and rest in Christ. You don't have to act holy anymore. It's hopeless to try to act holy anyways. 
It's even worse to be around somebody who tries to act holy, right? It's, it's almost like they always know what you should do to be like them. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real, they'll, 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 they'll say, you know, well, if I was in your situation, you know, I would, I would pray and I would read the Bible. Man, you, you're not in my situation. You don't know. It's a terrible feeling to have someone try to tell you how you're supposed to behave, especially when you're going through some type of traumatic drama, uh, trauma, something happens to you. It's just it, being around someone like that is just tough. It's tough. We don't need to act. We need to just rest, rest. God's grace is rest. It really is. We need to rest in what he has for us. Acts chapter 15, verse 11 says, We believe it is through grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved. Grace is the reason we are saved. You think about it like this. Adam, when he sinned, God could have said, that's it. It's over. You're done. You live out your years, and when you die, that's it. There's no redemption. But God had grace on mankind. And he looked and he said, I love them. They don't deserve it. it remember, grace is unmerited, undeserving favor. We don't deserve God's grace. Because he could have very easily said, you know what? That's done. He's done. It's over. But he didn't do that. In Titus chapter 2 verse 11 it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. The grace of God has appeared. When the grace of God appeared, that was Jesus. The Bible says Jesus came and he was full of grace. He was full of grace. So if you're living a life and you are hard on yourself and you're beating yourself up for the past things that you've done, Jesus is grace. He's, he, he overlooks those things. It's like, it's like, you know how the horses, they have those blinders and they, you know, they put them on so they can't see left or right. And they just stay focused. That's what grace is to God. We do, we do all these bad things and we say, you know, Jesus, we cry out to him. And, and God puts on the blinders and says, I don't see that sin. I don't see it anymore. All I see is my son. See, God's grace is not like man's grace. See, like I said earlier, if you have a distorted view of God, you're going to have a distorted view of grace. And God's grace is not like man's grace. See, we give grace to people. You know, but we generally give grace. See, our, uh, man's grace is motivated because we are aware to some extent that we are just as guilty as the person in need of grace. For an example, you know, that could have been me, so let me extend some grace to them. You know, I could have been the person that was strung out on drugs. It just so happened that, that I was strong enough to not do the drugs, so, you know, I'll be gracious to that person. So, so we kind of give grace determining, you know, on, on how, you know, how, how aware we are of our own sin. Or man, man often gives forgiveness because they only know a small part of what a person is guilty of. It's our own ignorance. If we truly knew 
what someone really did when we actually give them grace? We only know in part what some, someone does. We can only see on the outside what someone does, their sin. We don't see the heart of man. So we have, we are, we're ignorant to that. So we don't know. So we can only give grace to that certain extent. But see, God is not motivated to give grace by his own sin or his ignorance because God doesn't have either one of those. So God gives grace because he's God and he can give grace. The Bible says God gives grace on top of grace. God gives grace on top of grace. So I like to think about it like this, right? So my wife, she cooks Thanksgiving dinner, and she does a fantastic job. I mean, I even tell her because I have to, I have to clean up. That's the deal we made, like, honestly, we made that deal like 20 years ago. She cooks, I clean, and she makes a mess. On Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving. Only on Thanksgiving. <laughs> so, yeah, because I'm not trying to cook, I mean, clean every day. I'm not even, even going to lie. But on Thanksgiving, I will... I, I, me and the boys, actually, we, we clean up the house. So she can cook a meal, but I always tell them, like, listen, you don't need to cook so many sides. Like, you know, if you just cook the stuff that we really like, we're good. But she, she makes it all. She goes all out. She makes, like, five pies. Like, pies nobody even really eats. We end up, like, throwing them. Like, you know, she, she hooks it up. But it's something about... When she brings out the turkey, that oh, I'm like, mm, that turkey looks good, right? Now, remember, we're talking about grace on top of grace, right? So that grace is that turkey dinner, right? But something happens. Like, if she pulls out a whole turkey dinner, and I look at it, and I'm like, where's the gravy? <laughs> I won't even touch it until I see the gravy. Like, we don't have, we don't have any gravy. We're not eating dinner. I'm going out to get some gravy. But grace on top of grace is that turkey dinner with gravy <laughs> all over it. You know what I'm talking about? I put it on everything. I put gravy on everything. I put it on the biscuits. I put it on the mashed potatoes. That's grace on top of grace. And we say grace. You know what I'm saying? But it's good. It is good. That's what grace is. Grace on top of grace. That's that turkey dinner. Mmm. First John, I mean, John 1, 16 says, Out of the fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Hmm. How many of you know that God's grace has the power to get stuff done? You want to get stuff done in your life? Grace. God's grace has the power to get it done. How many of you looked at something and said, I can't do that? I can't do it. It's impossible. Me, right now, standing up here, I can't do it. But you know what? Grace on top of grace. You have to trust and believe. God's power, God's grace has the power to get things done. I can prove it to you in the word. Acts chapter 11 verse 23 says, when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad, and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. You see, grace of God had done. 
Grace has the power to get stuff done. If you have issues in your life and you need to get stuff done, grace. We need to give grace more to other people. Side note, that's not even in my notes. I mean, just think about it. Sometimes we, we, come, we come to church and things don't go the way that we plan them to or, you know, music isn't how we want it or whatever the situation may be. And we're like, you know, church was okay today. We need to give grace. The, the people that are up here, they put work in. They come in here, they put in work. We need to give grace. We need to start extending grace because when we extend grace, that grace will be extended back to us. God's grace has the power to get things done. The only way we can ever be truly freed from the cycle of sin, grace. The only way we can truly be free from the cycle of sin. Can you go to that next slide? This is the cycle of sin or a cycle of sin that I believe you get tempted. We all get tempted. And then we are confident. We go, eh, I got it. I can handle this. You know, it's not that bad. I can watch this show. I can do that. You know, as long as I don't do this and that, then I'm good, right? So we get tempted. Then we're confident. And then we sin. We fall into the sin. And then we feel guilty. And we say, God, I promise you I'll do 20 Hail Marys. I won't do anything again, Lord. I'll pray every single morning. I'll get up at 5 o'clock, God. You start making all these promises to God. You see, because you feel guilty for the sin. But when the guilt wears off, what happens? Temptation happens again. Boom. You get tempted again. And then you say, I can handle it this time. It's a cycle. Right? And then you sin again. And then you feel guilty. And then the cycle just keeps repeating itself. There's only one way to break that cycle of sin. It's grace. Grace breaks the cycle of sin. Titus 2, chapter 11 through 13 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. How many of you live in the present age? A couple of you guys. A couple. Some of y'all are still sleeping. It, it gives us, it teaches us to say no. It teaches us to say no. So that means when you're taught something, it means you have to learn something. That means you have a part to play. Think about it. See, we can't just always put it on other people. We have a part to play. In order to learn something, you got to go to school, right? You got to listen to the teachers. You got to listen to the Holy Spirit. It teaches us. God's grace teaches us to say no. You see, when we do something so terrible, we say, how could God love us? How, how could God ever? But when we realize that God loves us through the pain, through the hurt, through the terrible things that we've done, when we realize that, that's what breaks the cycle of sin. That's when you, then you're no longer saying, you know what, God, I'm not going to do this because I, I feel guilty. I'm not going to do this because I love you. I love you, God. 
That's why I don't want to do it. I don't want to hurt you, God. I don't want to be, I don't want to be the person that, that has hurt you, God, and, and, and hurts your heart. You want to change because of grace, not because of guilt. It breaks the cycle of sin. There may be some of you right now sitting there dealing with stuff that you've just dealt with for years, over and over and over and over again. You got to the point where you've just given up. You say, you know what? This is never going to change. I'm never going to be able to break this cycle. I'm never going to be able to stop doing this. I'm here to tell you it can be broken. Grace is the way that it's broken. We need God's grace. Grace breaks the cycle of sin and death. We need to stop trying to reach the blessings of God and the healings of God, whatever it is that we're trying to to get from God. We need to stop trying to do that in our own strength. We can put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do things uh, right, or we can beat ourselves up when we keep doing the same things over and over again. We need to just let it go and start trusting in God. We need to let it go. When you let it go, it breaks off. The pressure's not on you anymore. The pressure's not on you. Like I said, you still have a part to play. You still need to learn and pursue God. But you don't have to worry about trying to make it happen. That's not your job. So the Bible explains that there's two different laws operating in this world, and one of them is the law of sin and death. It's a universal law that works the same way in, the same, in, in all places at the same time. It's, it's like the law of gravity. It doesn't matter where you go on earth, the law of gravity is going to kick in. Correct? Everyone agree with that? If, for an example, if I was standing on this building and I decided to jump, no, no matter what I believe, I'm falling to the ground, even if I don't believe. So you don't have to believe in the law of sin and death. doesn't really make a difference whether you believe it or you don't believe it. doesn't really make a difference if you believe in gravity or you don't believe in gravity. If you're sitting on that building and you decide to jump, you are falling. The law of gravity is going to take over and you are going to fall. Probably to your death. Hmm. But if I climb the same building and I have, go to the next, and I have this suit on, right? There's a law that's higher than the law of gravity. It's greater than the law of gravity. It's a greater law. It's the law of aerodynamics. So now I jump off this same building and I, right, I'm going to glide till I safely land on the ground. I don't know how safe, I'm not jumping out of anything, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I have a hard time jumping out of bed, like, <laughs> but I'll just say someone might jump. And if they did jump and they had that suit on, they're going to glide. Okay? So that is a greater law. The law of sin and death is a law. You're not getting out of it. You sin, you die. We all sin, so we all die, right? But there's a greater law, the Bible says. There's a greater law than the sin, than the law of sin and death. It's the law of grace. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 2, it says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free 
from the law of sin and death. It's a greater law. It's like the law of aerodynamics in the Bible. Right? It's a greater law. Aren't you thankful for a greater law? I'm thankful that there's something greater than sin and death. It's the law of grace. It's the law of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Remember I told you grace came in the bodily form of Jesus. It is the the law of Jesus. It's the law of grace. It's greater. So we can stop praying, Lord, give me strength. Instead, we should be praying, Lord, I'm weak. I'm always going to be weak. This is how I am. But because of you in my life, I'm strong. You give me strength. Because when we stop looking at ourselves and start putting our focus on God, we're going to be able to do a lot far greater things than we could on our own. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. I'm going to close with this. It says, But the Lord said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. When we are our weakest, when we are down and we are our lowest and we are the weakest we can possibly be, and I've been there. Now, I wasn't even going to bring this up, but since we're talking about weakness, I might as well. I was diagnosed with a a disease, and it made me really, really weak. I mean, to the point where I couldn't pick up a pencil. And I tried everything in my own strength. I mean, I tried everything. I tried all the medicine the doctors gave me, and I just continued to get weaker and sicker and skinnier and weaker. But it was at that point when I was at my weakest, when I was at my lowest point, when I thought, this is it, this is how I'm going to die, that's when God showed up. That's when he showed up. That's when he shows up. So if anyone's wondering why God's not here, take a look at yourself. Look at yourself and say, God, what is it? Where am I trying to do things on my own? What is it that I'm trying to do on my own? Why, do I, why am I trying to be strong in my own strength? When we just give that up, that's when God kicks in. That's when he kicks in. So if you're looking for God to kick in in your life, let go. Start trusting in God and let go. It's when we stop trying and start trusting when God's power is made perfect in our lives. It's when we're at our weakest point. It's when God's at his strongest point. But we can't know God's grace until we experience his love. And that's when Miss Shannon comes in. Hello, everyone. How are you doing tonight? God is so good. He really is. He's so faithful. And when Chris said to me, you know, we need to speak about grace and love. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, how are we going to do this? And then I'm driving in the car one day and, and I said, I've got it. I called him. I said, we can't experience God's grace until we experience his love. We have to know his love for us until we can experience really any of his benefits. We've got to know his love. Um, and I have a journey there. Pastor John was a part of school of ministry. Um, when I really, truly knew God's love for the very first time, but I'll get into that in a little bit. So grace flows from love. Grace flows from love. All of God's benefits, all of his gifts flow from the love that he has for us. 
So until we have a true revelation of God's love for us, we cannot enjoy the gift of his grace. We cannot enjoy the gifts of his benefits. He has so many gifts he wants to give us, but we have to know how much he loves us to experience those things. They all flow out of God's love for us. So knowing and experiencing his love causes us to know and experience him, right? Because God is love. And I know that sounds so simple, but that is such a big revelation. If you can grab a hold of that tonight, God is love. That's who he is. We, we sing that all the time. It's who you are. It's who you are. It is who he is. It's his in, in his very DNA. It's in his very nature. And we as human beings, as children of God, we were made out of love. We were made out of love, which explains our need to be loved. Love is much more than a feeling. And that's for all the married couples tonight. <laughs> love is much more than a feeling. Love is an action. Love is a choice. And God chose to love us despite everything that we've done in spite of everything that we've done. We're made in his image. So love is actually in fact in our very DNA because we are made in the image of God. So we have to make God's love personal to us, not just a head knowledge of his love, not just what the scripture says, not just what pastor John tells us each week after week. We have to have a personal revelation of God's love for us. For God so loved the world, you can put that up, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Why is it so easy to say that? Why is it so easy to recognize that God loved the world as a whole, but it's so hard sometimes to take it on personally? So let's put that next slide up. And I want you guys to do this exercise with me because I'm a youth director. <laughs> For God so loved, I want you to insert your own name. So let's do that together tonight. For God so loved Shannon that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved you, John. For God so loved you, Danielle. For God so loved you, Chris and Denny. When I was a little girl, I longed to be loved. I think every little girl dreams about her wedding, right? When she's little, she's like, I'm going to marry Prince Charming. I'm going to have the big white dress. You know, I, I always wanted to be loved. And I always felt like there must be a reason why I wasn't loved. I'm like, I'm, there must be something wrong with me. Maybe I'm just too imperfect. Maybe there's no such thing as perfect love. Maybe I was unlovable. Um, I didn't think there was ever anyone that could ever love me perfectly. My dad had left when I was a little over two years old. Uh, he walked out and he, he, we lived on Cape Cod. He moved to California. I didn't see him again until I was probably 12. And those three little words were thrown around in our home so much. Every time we ended a phone call, we said, I love you. Every time we left the house, we said, I love you. We still, my mom, I love you. I love you. I love you. And we said those words, but there was no love in our home because Jesus wasn't in our home. And you cannot give a love that you have not received for yourself. You can't give a love that you don't have a revelation knowledge of. So I'm desiring this love that's, that's non-existent in my home and in my life. And again, I just didn't think I was worthy of love. And not because my family didn't want to love one another. We wanted to love one each other. We just didn't have, we weren't equipped. We didn't have the right tools because you can't give what you do not have. Psalm 107, 8 and 9 says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. 
God's love fills and satisfies us like nothing else in this world ever will. It's when we are overflowing with God's love that we can truly give it out to others. You can't draw water from an empty well, right? And you can't draw love from an empty heart. And Jesus is the only one that can take that place in our hearts. There is a place in us that is for Jesus alone, and no one can fill that. And I know that as a young girl, you know, when I met Chris, I'm, Chris and I, I've, I've, been, I've been with Chris for 25 years. When I was 14 years old, I met Chris. And there was oftentimes I put pressure on him to love me in the way that only God could. I had to learn that love of God and say, you know what? It's not his job to make me happy. It's not his responsibility to, to make me joyful. It's, it's God. That's who I have. To, he's got to be my source. He's got to be the source of my strength and the source of my love. And I'll never forget, you know, when I walked into this church for the first time, 19 years ago now, I started to cry from the back of the sanctuary. I started to cry. I come up here and I'm listening to the message and I cried through the entire service because it was as if God was writing a personal love letter just to me. I'd never heard words like God loves you. You are loved. You are um, cherished. He got, you're wanted. Just to be wanted. God wants us. Like how awesome is that? That he wants us. And I'd never experienced that before. So his, you know, Chris talks about grace. That grace came in and it started to flood different areas of my life. And it was great. And I was functioning in it and operating in it. But then it felt like it was there and then it wasn't. And it was like this, this game, like this pull, like what was missing? What was, what, there was something missing. And like I said, love is the foundation. So until I had a revelation, I had experienced God's love that day, but I hadn't had a full revelation of it because I still didn't feel like I was worthy. I still didn't feel like I could be loved in that way. So then fast forward, I don't know, eight years, I decided to take school of ministry, never expecting to ever find God's love there. I took it expecting to learn more about the Bible, to learn more about, you know, the Old Testament. I'd never really known much about the Old Testament. To be honest with you, at 18 years old, the year before I got saved, I didn't even know that Christmas was Jesus's birthday. That was never, ever brought up in my home. I had no idea. Um, so I just was excited to learn more about this God that I never knew. And what happened instead was that through that, through the covenant of love that Pastor John talked about, I realized that God loved me with no conditions, that he loved me in overflow, in abundance, that it was never going to run out. It was never going to leave. It was never like he's going to get mad and walk out on me. And when I gave my life to Christ, it was very easy to receive him as savior because I needed saving. I knew enough to know that I needed someone to save me, but it was very hard to receive God as daddy because I had daddy issues. And a lot of us do, you know? Um, so I, God, when I realized how much he loved me, it was like everything made sense. Everything came together. Everything I had longed for my entire life had finally come to pass. And it was, it's incredible. And, you know, the beautiful thing about God's love and God's grace, I, I think it's his goodness and his love, honestly, because his grace is his goodness. Most of you know, not all of you know, um, for over four years ago, my 18-year-old son, he passed away in a car accident. And that was obviously a very traumatic, challenging, trying time. And my faith was shaken. I, I cannot stand up here and tell you that it wasn't. However, I knew two things. I knew that God loved me and I knew that he was good. 
And I'm telling you right now, if I did not know that God loved me and that happened, I don't know where I would be right now. It's the power of his love that has carried me. It's the power of his love that has healed me and made me whole and redeemed me and my family. I mean, where else, you know, I look up and I see my son worshiping God, my kids following after God, my husband's up here preaching the word. That's only by God's grace. I'm telling you right now, that is nothing to do with us. That has nothing to do with us and everything to do with God's grace and God's love for us. I was watching a show recently and a little sister asked the big sister, she said, what's, what's it like to be in love or what does love feel like? And she said, it's like sewing someone's skin on top of yours and you can never take it off without feeling like you've just been ripped apart. And I'm so grateful that we will never have to feel that because God will never take his love away from us. We will never have to feel ripped apart because that covenant is forever. His love is forever. And there is nothing we can do that will ever change that. There's times in our lives we might go through things. There's times in our lives where we may feel distant from God, but it's not a feeling. Love is more than a feeling. Love is a choice God made 2,000 years ago when he sent his son to die for us so that we could become his sons and daughters, so that we could become his children. What a gift that is. What a gift that is to be able to call God our father. It's just, it blows me away. You know, we're no longer like Adam and Eve, you know, lost in the garden where we have to hide from God and say, God, I have to hide from you because I did this wrong and that wrong. No, we can bring it all. We can bring it all before God. We can be naked and unashamed before God and say, God, this is me. This is who I am. And you love me anyway. And he doesn't want us to hide from him. He doesn't want us to hide our fears, our insecurities. He wants us like, like Chris said, to bring them to him to bring them to the table, to lay them at his feet and say, God, you know who I am. You made me, but who you are is way bigger and better and more powerful than anything that I'm not bringing to the table, right? We are equipped because of who he is. It's just, it's just like, I'm blown away by his love. Every single day, I'm more and more blown away by his love because I truly tell you, I would not be standing here if it wasn't for God's love. And none of us would be. None of us would be standing here if it wasn't for God's love. You know, another thing I realized about God's love is that unlike all the things in this world, like finances and even health, sometimes Chris just shared about his journey and he's doing better now. Thank God. You know, even people, we lose people, right? We lose, we lose homes. We lose, we lose a lot of things in this life, but God's love can never be taken from us. The enemy does not have that power. He may have made you think so, and you may feel in this room tonight that you are not worthy of God's love. None of us are in our own sense, but God says we are. God says we are worth it. God says we are worthy of his love. And that's amazing. If you can grab a hold of that, that is my prayer for you and for the youth and for this congregation is that we would know how deep and how wide the love of God for our lives is because it's great. It's awesome. And really quick, I didn't plan on doing this, but I really sense in my heart, if you are here tonight and you are struggling to receive that love that God has for you, if you're struggling and you say, I don't know that I've ever really fully received that love, I want you to stand up tonight. Be bold, stand up. I just want to pray for you guys. I'm not going to ask you to come up front. If you need a revelation knowledge of God's love for you, stand to your feet. There's nothing to be ashamed of. He certainly wasn't ashamed of us.
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Is there anybody else like, like someone said earlier, whether I think it was Megan, whether you've been here one day or a hundred days, maybe you've been coming to this church for 15, 20 years. You can be a Christian for 15, 20 years and still not know God's love for you. So if that's you stand up and I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you so much for these people that were bold enough to stand up, God. We thank you that you would leave the 99 for just that one, that you would leave the 99 just to come and save me, God. I thank you, Lord, for this church, for what's happening here, God. But those people that stood up individually, I pray that you would personally reveal yourself to them, personally reveal your heart to them, your love to them, God. I thank you, Lord, for doing it. I thank you for the manifestation of it. I thank you, Lord, that through that love and through that grace, your power is perfect in our weakness, God. We just give you glory. We thank you for all you're doing, and we love you, Lord, because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.